Welcome to Season 3 of the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. Good morning, everybody. This is Brandon talking. That is Brandon talking. Yeah, and that was Dan. That was Dan. Chiming in. You're you're like two for two on factual statements <laughs> right out of the gate. We bring accurate information to this show. Um, That's and, three. And we, <laughs> actually, I don't think it is. Uh, we, we have uh, two guests with us today. Um, we've got Ann Larson and Nate Grundle. Good morning. From Sun Prairie School District. Yep. One of our favorite places in the whole world. Yes. Mine's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you work there. You, it's you, a good place to be. You spend mm-hmm. a ton of time there. So um, Nate and Annie work with us on our publishing side of the business where, you know, they've they've adopted the games that we put out into schools and are actively using them. So we're going to spend a little time today talking to them about how that's gone. Uh, and hopefully it went well. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, yeah. But before we get into that, I do have a question and I want to start with our special guests. You guys playing any video games these days? What are you playing? Yeah, so um, I'm a big Sims fan, so Sims oh, 4, yeah. Sure. Sims 4. Sims 4, a little disappointed, not as good as Sims 3 in mm, some ways. But I've heard that. I still put a lot of hours into it. Okay. So um, other than that, Horizon has been one that I've been a little addicted to. Horizon, um, I'm not familiar with that. It's on, I'm playing it on Xbox, but um, it's got a female warrior character, so I like that. It's... Um, Oh, oh, okay. She goes it's through like her story of her game. life. Yeah. yeah. Wait, that's yeah. the robot hunting? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't tried that. That yeah. looks great. It's. I'm having trouble with it, so my husband jumps in and helps me out, but mm, yeah. the storyline's pretty cool. She's trying to figure out her past and where she comes from. So. Yeah. yeah. Sounds super cool. Yeah. How about you, Nate? Uh, I have two daughters. They love playing games on their iPads and things like that. So uh, Counting Kingdom, actually, is the, the Saturday morning. Sit down and let's play some games uh, All right. with my daughter. Wow. Um, she yeah. loves it. She that loves is it. so wholesome. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, whatever time I get to play games is kind of with my kids and, and to see them kind of play and, and navigate it. Yeah, so for those of our listeners who don't know, uh, Counting Kingdom is a game that we sell, and uh, the Nate's check is in the mail for that endorsement. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, with that, actually, let's uh, let's pivot quickly to the idea or, or the the discussion around um, how you guys are using games in your in your school. So um, let's do a little bit of background on just kind of what drove you guys to adopt game based learning as a formal program at Sun Prairie, and and kind of what the uh, what the zeitgeist was at the time in terms of when you made that choice, and and kind of what predicated that a little bit. Oh, absolutely. All right, so um, we're a one-to-one Chromebook district, and so as we rolled out our one-to-one Chromebooks, we looked at instruction a little bit differently, and what we're looking for is different ways that we can bring elements of games and instruction and bring it all together into one kind of holistic um, learning experience for our students. And so in doing that, um, we looked at games, and we looked at specifically filmic games and ones that were educational and not just a skill and drill type game. So um, we're looking at a partnership. Uh, you guys actually walked into our office uh, and said, hey, come and check out our games. And we were like, all right, let's go and check out the, the office and, and see what they have to offer. And uh, it, it just became a, a perfect timing and a perfect marriage of uh, of the company and us and, and working together um, and developing those games. And then, Andy, you can talk a little bit about our PD if we're going to get into that. That'd be great. Um, yeah, so um, we adopted the suite of games that you had at the time. And uh, I 
I took it upon myself to play them just so that I could see what they were about and where they could fit in curricular wise and Mm -hmm. quickly learned, like Nate said, they're very robust and they weren't just, we're going to play a little bit of the game and it's going to maybe just practice a skill, but actually teaching content. So that's when we did a more of a partnership with Filament to do game-based learning 101 for our teachers. So that really gave them a a base understanding of what game-based learning was, not just as how do we play games, but how do you implement it in your curriculum in a meaningful way. Sure. So after that, we had teachers that just took off with it, and then more and more games came down the pipeline from Filament. So we kept adding those to the suite that we had available and working with teachers both in their classroom of how do I use this game with all of our students, but then also how do I just use game base overall um, using Filament or their own created games. Yeah, we have a lot of teachers that are creating their own games now. Um, Mm -hmm. Not so much digital games, but maybe gamifying in their classroom uh, with experience points and different Uh, tasks and things like that. So it's kind of grown and and blossomed throughout the district from the high school level all the way down to the kindergarten level with the games. That's awesome. So where did, um, you know, when you said you kind of had to get your your early group of teachers who were like into it, who could like kind of help you you know, evangelize that through the district, I would assume. Um, what, what was that process like? Like, did you go from subject to subject or was it just certain folks who you knew would have the, the appetite for it? Um, so we offered professional development so teachers can sign up for professional development within our district. So they saw that it was offered and we might have suggested to certain people that we thought were, you know, would catch on pretty quick or something that they were ready for. Um, and we started with that group and had a trainer from Filament come in to do that PD with us. So once we did the in- initial introduction of what game-based learning was, it started to spread from there where the teachers are the ones telling other teachers, this is why it's important, this is what I'm doing in my classroom, this is what I'm seeing. And what they were really talking to was engagement for kids. Like their kids all of a sudden were excited to be in class. They finished games outside of class even though it wasn't required. Mm. So that kind of caught like wildfire, so to speak, once the teachers saw how it worked and had support from Nate and I and Filament, um, it was hard not to sell it. (laughs) (laughs) It just kind of took off. Exactly. So, um, you know, I think you mentioned too uh, that it's been, it's sort of expanded to be just kind of a a general spirit of of pedagogy in a way, like people are just using this idea of game-based learning, whether they're using this content or not. Um, I'm really curious to know, like, what that looks like at the. You said it, like, at the kindergarten level and at the high school level. Can you, what, what does that actually manifest like at those two ends of the spectrum? Yeah. So at the high school level, it means more reading. Okay. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, so <laughs> they get experience points for doing more tasks and whatever those tasks are within their classroom. Okay. Uh, in a gamified classroom, uh, they're going ahead and and doing those tasks without asking the teacher, "What should I do?" Um, or, or sitting there not knowing where to go. They kind of drive their own instruction as they progress through their own experience points, and they earn it to maybe get bonus points on a test or not bonus points on the test. Um, and so those kind of motivators uh, are there for to engage students. Uh, you go down to the kindergarten level, it, it's a lot of fun experience. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a kindergarten classroom before, but it's very lively. Two years. Uh, <laughs> two years ago? <laughs> no, just for two years in my life. Uh, oh, just two years? <laughs> you love it so much. <laughs> uh, but there's just so much in those classrooms. Um, so most of them are playing on iPads uh, or, or Nooks or, or Kindles and things like that. And it's more of a, a station-based activity there. 
uh, where kids are coming there for a little bit of uh, reinforcement uh, or a little bit of acceleration uh, on their math skills or, or reading skills and, and cool. those alignments. Yep. Very mm-hmm. cool. So that's just straight up games that that's they're, true. they're interacting with. Yeah. Very cool. Right. Have you ever considered hunger gamifying the kindergarten classroom? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, GBL 102. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or this is distribute the, you know, the children across the playground in different places. <laughs> yeah. The, that professional development is still underway. Yeah. be delivered in some, sometime in 2019. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> so um, I want to talk a little bit more about the programs that have kind of sp- you know, come to life outside of just the, you know, the library that we've offered, the professional development that we've offered. Um, as I understand it, there was um, or is a, a game design program for students, um, kind of like in the spirit of a, like kind of a makerspace kind of, or project-based learning, I should say, I guess, um, methodology. So can you tell me a little bit about how that like came into being and what it looks like now? Sure. So um, two science teachers that we have at our middle school uh, did a case study on Planet Mechanic a couple mm-hmm. years ago, and they really embraced the idea of game-based learning and project-based learning. <clears throat> and so last year they had uh, kind of taken the idea of a game and made their students, or asked their students to create a game based on the uh, standards for science. So each student took a standard and they made a board game. Um, and they kind of realized that games were engaging to their students and then thought, well, why not have them create one? So we had someone from Filament come just to talk about game design, talk to the students about what it meant to make even just a board game. <clears throat> and then they did their, I don't remember what they called it. They did a big presentation where everybody got to go around and play each other's games. Mm, cool. So this year they've evolved the idea to include a makerspace idea. So mm. they're doing passion projects that can include games, but it also can include anything from helping the homeless to helping animal shelters to creating games that help students learn better. So they've oh, cool. got a full gamut. It's not completely game-based, but that kind of is where the idea spawned from. Mm. So I'm watching an evolution in their instruction kind of go from, we want to engage them more, so we're going to use a single game, to this year using, I think, four filament games, as well as having students create more of their own with that background knowledge of how are they, these games created how are they put together to keep your attention and to teach you things? Can you do the same thing on your own? Mm. So that's been an evolution I've seen in one one of our classrooms. Yeah, and then in our upper middle school, we also have a, a teacher that does game design. Um, and he's been able to partner and come into Filament and kind of work on the games uh, and the plays of the games and the mechanics of the games uh, and get some feedback and professional development there. So we have a whole class. I think there's two sections of them right now that are, are just designing games uh, for their course. Uh, and there's been a big push to add more females uh, into those courses. And Filament's been awesome to uh, with all the f- female programmers and different parts mm-hmm. uh, of the company that we've been able to come for visits and, and see uh, females actually gaming and, and yeah. programming and doing all that kind of stuff. So that's a unique experience for all those teachers. That's really cool. Students. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, in terms of, like, uh, the outcomes of those passion projects, is that something that you guys are, or, or even or even the outcome of, like, these programs uh, in general, is that something that you're measuring the impact of? Is there, um, you know, ways that you're trying to kind of capture the outcomes here so that you can iterate on it and, and build on it for the next year? It sounds like that is happening somewhat with, like, this evolving from game-based learning to be more project-based. Right. So I think I've 
we've talked with the teachers a little bit about that. And since this was their prototype year, as they call it, um, <laughs> they're just kind of seeing how this process works. But um, continuous reflection on it. So a little bit informally asking them, like, what have you noticed about your students? How have you noticed their growth? Which students are doing things that maybe surprised you? Um, and taking that that information and then helping them with next year to say, you know, okay, so now how can we start to formally assess how things are happening in your classroom and how your students are growing? I think some of their students are shocking them with the ideas they come up with and the mm. drive that they have because maybe they're a student that doesn't necessarily seem so motivated, but they just needed the right avenue to become motivated. Right. So um, those, I guess, anecdotes are things that we're trying to capture and then grow, um, not just within their classroom, but in their buildings and then across the district as well. Yeah, I think when I look at it, too, is I look at the, the teacher. Uh, they're the professional in the classroom. And so mm-hmm. um, if their kids are engaged and they're excited about learning and excited, and the teacher sees the learning in front of them, I'm like, that's the only antidote I really need at this point in time, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, because they know their content and they know what yeah. they're, they're going to test and study. And so if they're looking at ways to engage students, that's, that's the first step to, to making learning uh, visible and making learning possible for a lot of students. And so... If I, if I have a conversation with the teacher and they're like, oh, man, those kids were really after that game and they really did a good thing, and they're like, they asked for the next game. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and so we kind of talk about it. We're, we're kind of dealing things um, mm-hmm. uh, and dealing the drugs in, <laughs> in the form of technology. And, and, and once you get one, then you kind of go off to the second one. Yeah, doling out the games. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, I guess I, I'm curious to hear um, if you have any of those, like, those anecdotes that you could share, like maybe specifically a student where you saw a real transformation when they were given that different avenue towards motivation? Sure. So um, kind of going back to the science teachers, Mary and Chad, that I was in their classroom in that building and in that classroom specifically, I'm known as the the games girl, so that I kind of wear as a badge of honor. (laughs) But I walked in, they knew they were going to play a game, and this student struggled all year with attending to class and then doing anything outside of class that had to do with academics for science. So we introduced um, Backyard Engineers as a game and just as a simple machines to get them kind of thinking about games. And he immediately got very excited, very engaged. And usually on his Chromebook, he has like 20 tabs open in the top and like (laughs) a program hiding in the background that he's playing. And it was the only thing open on his Chromebook was the game. So for the whole time, (laughs) Mary kept, you know, coming over to me and she's like, is he okay? Like, is he all right? I'm like, yeah, he's fine. He's playing the game. Um, and that night he went home and beat the whole game. Wow. So just, I don't think I've even beaten that game. Me either. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's tricky. It's Super tough. hard. Mm-hmm. So that was just one one small anecdote. And I know she, she and Chad have a lot of stories like that in their classroom. Sure. But to see some a kid that they had kind of struggled with engaging before and really reaching in any way of content just – absorb and like want to learn more and be completely focused on what he was doing was pretty phenomenal. And then to actually go home and do something that was school related um, also seemed to be a pretty big shift for him. So he looks forward to science. And especially if I'm in there, he's like, oh, we're playing a game today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested in, um, it sounds like play in the classroom has led to sort of a natural excitement to make stuff in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, could, I, 
I, w- I don't know if I would have initially assumed that. I think uh, just personally, like I was a game player for decades before it occurred to me that I could start making them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you guys can talk about that, I'd love to hear about it. I think in general, just being able to control your own destiny and control your learning uh, that the game brings on, brings on other things that you want to control in your life and, mm. and be able to develop. And so... We see a lot of maker spaces in our schools right now. We got one in every school that kids can go and make and tinker and do different things. Um, so that that freedom to go and like learn what you want to learn, uh, and the freedom of like a gameplay, you get to make the decisions and, and how you interact with the game, have kind of led to kids understanding that they control their own life uh, and they control their learning. And to get to that point, that's a that's a pretty powerful uh, message for all of our students uh, as they go through. Is like you control what you what you learn and how you learn it. Mm. Um, as long as you learn it, well, we're pretty happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to um, uh, Tremaine Clarity, the uh, principal over at Senate Middle School, and he's <clears throat> he speaks about games as kind of like a domain where a student uh, actually enjoys agency. And it's like, the, you know, there's this idea that games are somehow addictive in and of themselves, but really what is addictive is, the, is that experience of having control of your own destiny, of your own fate. So... Um, so yeah, I, you know, I've, I hear that from educators across the board, which is like, this is such a, a key ingredient to why game-based learning is, is functional in a, in a classroom. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about how this program sort of fits into the larger picture at Sun Prairie. So what is the, what is the kind of larger technology plan? What is the the district mission and how does this align to that? It's a million dollar question. Yeah, it is a million dollar question. Yeah, a million dollar question. <laughs> Absolutely. We want to start on this Nate one. On that one. Um, <laughs> I could start if you want to. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So uh, our district mission is every child every day, um, and we want them to be excited and engaged, innovate in innovative ways of learning. Um, so when we look at our, our technology plan and we look at our instructional plan, we're, we're making this movement towards. Uh, an avenue of personalized learning. Um, and that's kind of a, a key term that kind of goes around the nation right now is this personalized learning. Um, and what does it mean and what does it look like in your your neck of the woods? Um, so uh, in our neck of the woods, what that looks like, that looks like students being able to have agency, voice choice, uh, pace and place are, are things that we talk about in our, our school. And whatever ways we can provide that to our students is uh, what we're looking for. Um, so that means... Chromebooks, one-to-one Chromebooks, uh, next year will be 4th through 12th grade, so it's about 6,000 Chromebooks um, that are out there per student. So, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot of machines. <laughs> it's a, a lot, lot of machines. machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many carts do you guys have for those? Quite carts? a few. Yeah. It's 4th and 5th grader carts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, 6th through 12th graders, they take them home, yep. um, oh, all right. and they're able to take them home and give that full one-to-one experience. Sure, um, very mm-hmm. cool. And so what do you do with the Chromebook? Um, mm-hmm. it's, it becomes a tool for learning. And, and to transform learning, we have to have the, the tools in there to, to make that work for students. Um, we got to understand where our students are, what they're doing, um, and how they're doing it. But also give them the freedom to, to demonstrate their knowledge in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to add on to that, I think with our one-to-one Chromebooks, like Nate was saying, is the the way it supports instruction, not driving it. So if we don't have good tools to share with teachers on how to use Chromebooks efficiently and effectively, then, um, you know, they can become just some a distraction or they can become something that isn't used as effectively. So sure. having good tools and having good resources for them to go to that are digital are key. So 
It, li- it eliminates that 20 tabs problem. Exactly. <laughs> it eliminates <laughs> the 20 tabs. <laughs> yeah, I think that with the Chromebook, too, we want them doing the same education that they've been doing in the past. Uh, right. So we want to try to evolve with the technology and evolve with learning um, to become more fast-paced uh, uh, and provide those choices that we've talked about already. So. Chromebook allows that, uh, but we don't want it to be another e-textbook where kids are just using it as a a reader. Right. right. So a question around that. Um, When you, like, when you're using this program, when you're using the Chromebooks, is this in any way oriented to, like, a career preparation thing? Like, is that something that your district is actively doing, kind of any longitudinal growth? I mean, I'm sure at, like, the level of, like, 21st century skills, you know, that kind of thing, um, and the four C's and all that, um, is that... Is college or sorry, college and career prep like a formal part of what you guys are doing with students? It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. I, I, think, I think everyone's <laughs> going through this. What does this look like in your school yeah. uh, motion of what does it mean to be college and career ready? Uh, it's relatively new on the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, we're working on it, we're working on career pathways, we're working on offering different ways that students can maneuver through the educational process in the K 12 um, with. I mean, project-based learning or right. an academy model. Um, so there's lots of different options out there. Um, and I think that what we as a district are looking at is how can be as flexible as possible uh, with offering all those different models um, and still being loyal to our goals of every child every day. Sure. So mm-hmm. trying to create... Yeah, I would imagine it's very challenging to try and create career pathways that are also individualized. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I think, I mean, this may just be revealing that Dan is a dumb guy, but I mean, I had no idea what I wanted to do. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) me either. Right, like it's hard to imagine what, at least for for Dan Norton of the past, like what what career in college prep would be other than, you know, for the love of God, attend class so that you can actually go to college. (laughs) Right. Just get through, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's interesting about, you know, project-based learning and, and, you know, one-to-one programs is that it actually, you know, rather than putting it, putting a child specifically on a path towards like a very specific career outcome, what they're doing, what it's doing is just establishing the basal, like fundamental skills that are required in almost any professional environment. You know, the ability to communicate, the ability to problem solve, think critically, um, so yeah, I think like that in my mind is like the greatest benefit. Do you guys see that as like just like a natural extension of the project-based learning program? Yeah, I would say I mean you're talking a little bit about um having all of those skills and and making that like a baseline for our students and I think having like Nate was saying before the technology that can kind of ex- make that expanded. So thinking about communication, it no longer can just be like the person next to you or within your classroom. It can go beyond that. Um, Same with collaboration, so tools that we have for that. So it's getting them ready for a workplace that we know exists now where they have to, you know, outside the walls of the place that they're actually working to be collaborative and communicating. Mm -hmm. Um, But then kind of going back to what you were saying, Dan, is also like exposure to those jobs. So what why is it important to collaborate and communicate that way mm-hmm. and bringing in professionals or taking them to the professionals that can speak to it. But then also things like as specific as game design that kids are already interested in, that it shows here are all how all of those skills fit into this specific job. So it's kind of a yes and. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If there's another district administrator out there listening, 
which I'm sure there are many. Um, <laughs> what advice or recommendation, recommendations that you have for them in terms of like getting something like this spun up at your school, overcoming any resistance or objections you might feel from and, and where they might actually anticipate those objections right. and how right. they might uh, kind of get out ahead of that? Yeah, I think, I think the number one thing is professional development. Uh, mm -hmm. To understand what the games are, understand what the learning is you're looking for. Because uh, it's going to be different than a classroom. They're not going to write a paper. They're not going to um, do your typical test uh, at the end of the game. Uh, and they could. Um, I guess it's not not an option. Um, but what we want to look at for is that professional development, for the teachers to understand what are the mechanics of the game, how do they work, how does it motivate kids, um, and what are they looking for uh, when it comes down to the end of it. Yeah, like the why. So mm. why should we care about games or game-based learning? Um, that's usually the big question we get. And, and then I guess supporting the, the forward struggle because you're not going to get it right the first time. So mm. being okay with teachers coming back and um, reflecting on it and then coming up with a plan to move forward instead of just immediately abandoning. Because, I mean, in fifth grade, I wasn't always really great at doing game-based learning, but I wanted to get better. It's mm -hmm. just supporting that struggle to keep moving forward with it. Yeah, sure. I think the extended PD. So if we look yeah. at like best professional development practices, that's like job embedded practices. Do you mm -hmm. have someone there that can help your teacher struggle through it? Mm. Uh, we're fortunate that we have tech integrators and library media specialists that will help us out uh, and get in the classroom and help out the teachers if things are going a direction that the teacher doesn't know or, or can't navigate at that particular point in time. Um, not that that ever ha happens. But if it did. But if it did. Hypothetically. Alternative reality. Yeah. Uh, Imagine a world. Uh, <laughs> right. And I think the other thing about games is that people think it's just, uh, a skill and, skill and drill and a review. Yeah. Right. And right. how do you move it past that uh, mm. is kind of a, a philosophy uh, that we've taken. Like, it's not just, hey, we learned this in class and now we're just going to go practice this. We... We want to take it past that where it's part of the learning process. It's part of what the students are doing on a daily basis. Um, and that is more valuable to the student instead of playing and That's games. always been a, a big struggle <laughs> for us, like mm -hmm. where, where when we talk to people, even if they are currently enthused about game-based learning, if they're still pr like earlier back on their so their literacy about it, they're like, well, well it's fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they'll right. play this quiz game. That'll be lots of fun. They'll get through mm -hmm. all sorts of quiz questions and get points. Right. And we're like, well, so fun is good. <laughs> right. But, we're all about fun. <laughs> yeah. But we really want to have the actual act of play be meaningful. And that's like really the, that's sometimes harder. It's a harder sell <laughs> than right. the uh, original. But if we don't actually make that distinction, then people get stuck with skill and drill games. Right. Because uh, then they're like, well, it's got spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it got, looks cool. It's got <laughs> quiz questions in it. So right. needs are met. Right. Yeah, get to shoot a basketball at the end if I get the question right. Exactly, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah. it's always a little hard to be like, I it's like I like where you're starting, <laughs> but we need right. to keep going. Yeah, and get to the real value of the thing. Mm. I think video games have such a stigma sometimes, and you know, I'm a gamer, and sometimes I hide that away because it comes with that like, oh, you're one of those, you know, or <laughs> oh, like you must be addicted to it, and it's like, no, it yeah. it can be, you know educational and it can be completely immersive and mm -hmm. I think sometimes getting people to kind of understand and come around to that can also be a challenge um, and I think part of that is having them play it like and then reflect on it what did you learn when you played Planet Mechanic or what did you learn when you played that game because that 
maybe starts to brew some other ideas beyond just it's a video game. It must not be, you know, where mm-hmm. we can learn something. Right, right. It's it's almost a necessary hobby in Wisconsin when you spend yeah. six months out of the year. <laughs> right? so, what else do we do? Hiding yeah. inside. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, any final thoughts about, like, just kind of where you're hoping the program will go in the future, um, you know, what you're most proud about, what's, what excites you the most about it, um, anything like that? I guess the future, we're just looking to expand. I mean, um, if I could get a game played in every classroom that is educational and every teacher knew, like, what the the process was, that that would be an awesome, awesome vision and allow that personal ownership of students uh, in their learning to come through the game and then expand our, our horizons as a district, uh, maybe past game-based learning, whatever else is next out there for us sure. uh, as we progress there. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I second that. Um, <laughs> oh, is that good, huh? Yeah, it was, it was good. <laughs> disagree. <laughs> disagree, come on. Um, you know, I, it, I'm passionate about elementary, so I think, like, continuing to kind of grow it down. We have one-to-one, as Nate said, in 612 where kids take home the device, but then helping some of our elementary teachers understand the difference between some of our games that have been in our um, instructional materials in the past that are, eh, you know, they're Mm -hmm. good, but they're not great. So kind of pushing that pedagogy down into those grade levels as well, even where we don't have a one-to-one device system, how can that work? Mm. Um, And then keeping the partnership growing here because I feel like every time something new comes down the pipeline, you know, we know about it and I can go and sell it and Mm -hmm. we can be excited, but then having that, support from you like if we're struggling or if you have new ideas if we have new ideas um so keeping that going is definitely going to be awesome. number one yeah. if i have to get one more thing too is <laughs> i'd like to i like to take our game-based learning and i have actually produce games out of our school that yeah. would be, yeah. that'd, that'd be, be awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, that we could work with companies and, and produce games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine really a world, cool. right? Yeah. 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 We're into that. Oh. Yeah. yeah. We, cool. we like making games. <laughs> yeah. You do? Yeah. Wow. So it's our thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I also did want to say, too, that you guys stopped by and talked to the entire dev team uh, about, a, yeah. about a month or so ago. Yeah. yeah probably about a month ago. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to give a shout out to you guys for that was like a wonderful chicken soup for the soul the, the, uh, <laughs> we felt good about it too yeah, we yeah. walked away at like cloud nine yeah, yeah was, that was awesome for all yeah. everyone yeah. yeah it was really yeah, great yeah the devs were like that's right that's why we do this <laughs> we're doing it so, yeah yeah good <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> alright well that concludes the conversation around Sun Prairie. I have one other thing that I need to get out of the way, though. Oh. Acronym, acronym of the week. Wow. Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> I've, been wow. Be- I've been begging for a theme song for. That's, oh. The, that's nice. fresh. That I've is, never heard that, that before. Is, oh, first time. Yeah, that first, first time. Spectacular. I like it. God. Yeah. Is you singing, Josh? Yeah, it was. Oh, man. Look <laughs> at him. Sly dog. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I do have it. Um, oh, this okay. the challenge goes to you guys. Oh. <laughs> oh, <cool. laughs> I want to know if you know this acronym. GDD. Well, there's definitely a diploma mm. in one of those two, <laughs> right? Uh, general? No, not general. No, this bear, this this has a strong bearing on your life, my friend. Does it start with game? games? 
Oh, my GDD. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. I will, I'm, I'm, Sit back. I'm <laughs> sitting back. I can't participate. Recused. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's your hint. It has a lot to do with Dan Norton. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, does that help? So I'm going to say it starts with game. Game. Yeah. Yep, that's accurate. Develop. Developer. Nope. Nope. Oh, oh. Other side. Other side. Oh. Design. Yeah. Yes. There you go. And. Day. Well, every day. Every it's day. Around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe it was a special day for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I bring in cupcakes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we have days for everything else. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like game development, design it. day. Yeah, that's better. That's right? Right? better. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, that right. is better. Okay, yeah, right. so a, a GED is a game design document. Oh, and it's the. In filament, it's a specific template that sort of lays out uh, for our types of games, obviously, the learning objectives, the mechanics, and how they meet those objectives, and how those things get assessed internally. How would we expect the game to be assessed externally? Uh, indices with, you know, game specific terminology uh-huh. and, uh, oh, a gematizer, which is like, uh, <laughs> Which we don't always use. It's we use the Jim G had the had his old framework of what video games have to teach about learning and literacy, and sometimes we align that to the game to see if uh, we're sort of hitting some of those sweet G notes. <laughs> yeah. The sharp G. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reason I brought it up is I was um, I came across an article yesterday that was it was like no. An ideas guy is not a thing in the game in the game development ah, industry. Yes, yes, I've heard that multiple times. <laughs> yeah, um, and it it just it fascinated me because I think like I was reading you know kind of a thread about it and people were talking about how like yeah this is kind of what I thought when I was like ten or twelve or whatever and I was like well those are the exact students <laughs> that Andy and Nate are working with absolutely um, so I thought it would be kind of cool to bring up just the fact that they're you know if you're a game designer like. A lot of your life involves very formal uh, iteration on game mechanics uh, through a platform like a GDD, as Dan explained. Yeah, I have a friend who works at a mobile gaming company, and he's a game designer. And he's like, he had a screenshot on Facebook being like, I did not expect that this is what game design would be like. It's just spreadsheets. (laughs) (laughs) Teeny incremental number changes. And he's like, that was his job. That day it was going to be. Wow. wow. Tweaking numbers in the spreadsheet to make sure that the the reward progression was silky smooth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So kids, if you want to get into game design, yeah. go in with eyes wide open. <laughs> yeah. Spreadsheets. Spreadsheets is what I'm hearing, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, I, I like to I all the designers at film and have slightly different philosophies about what design really does for them. But for to me, you're there to try and foster the team's creativity to let everyone feel like they have a creative stake in the project. And if anything, your job is to worry about the problems that really no one else wants to worry about. Because <laughs> if you can get other team members to take creative ownership over the problems in the game and then everyone's feeling like they're contributing creatively, then you actually have a creative team. Um, if you try and hoard all the fun ideas for yourself <laughs> and tell everyone else to solve the things that you find boring, you get a team that like pretty much resents that their creative input's being ignored and they're just being used as peons. So. That's how I see it. So you kind of, yeah, you wind up doing the spreadsheet, uh, <laughs> probably, hopefully, because you're good at it, but also because no one else wanted to. Right. Yeah. And that sort of, to me, is like, that's like a, a well-functioning designer. There's there's obviously lots of different ways to slice it, so. Right. Very cool. 
an educational outlook. Very educational. Yeah, yeah. 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 learned something today. Total deep. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show with us, Annie and Nate. It's been yeah. a real pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah. you. Um, and that's all the time we have for today. So we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks again, everybody. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Filament Games podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what goes on inside our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher. Well, it's got spaceships.